Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hi, Geekscapists. The Geekscape podfather, Jonathan, here. In May, we lost one of our own, longtime Geekscapist Christopher Ellis, who was a friend and a part of our geek community from the very beginning. Chris even met his wife, Sarah, through our podcast, and their 2015 wedding seemed like a giant Geekscape party. Chris's final weeks battling in the hospital shed light on a huge national problem. The COVID pandemic has almost completely depleted our national and local blood banks. These supplies are used by thousands of hospitals to provide life-saving treatments to patients or to buy enough time for loved ones just to say goodbye. So for the next month and beyond, we're going to do it big in Chris's memory and do some good in the process. We're throwing a blood drive. Visit www.aabb.org to find a donation center near you or visit other blood and platelet donation centers like the Red Cross. And let's make things interesting. For the next month, take a selfie of yourself donating with the hashtag GeekscapeGives and tag your favorite Geekscape podcast. We'll pick some charitable Geekscapists to send prizes to, and the podcast that gets mentioned the most will also get some cool rewards. I should actually cancel the podcast that gets mentioned the least. Can I do that? Whatever. The point is, go out there and donate some blood, tag a selfie of yourself doing it with the hashtag GeekscapeGives, and get others to do the same. We couldn't save our friend Chris, but we can do a whole lot of good in his name. Geekscape forever! This week, we're joined by Punk Rock Academy graduate Adam Gorin, also known as Adam and His Package. Together, we discuss the German New Wave artist Falco and his U.S. hit Rock Me Amadeus. We discover that, surprisingly, there are several parallels in the lives of Mozart and Falco, some of which are good and some of which are tragic. But which side of the line of good and tragic does Falco land as an artist? Stay tuned to find out. Hello, 
One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. And you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder, is it just a wonder? Or is it one hit thunder? So Adam, are you a big Falco guy? Is that why you chose Falco? Because you're just a big Falco guy? Uh, I would say I'm not a a huge Falco guy, although there were, I don't know a ton about Falco. So perhaps I am, and I just haven't hatched yet. I guess there were some things that were, I found interesting about Falco. And I do remember being in Vienna at some point and people being very excited about Falco. So maybe I might be a big Falco guy. Yeah. I'm trying to decide if I'm a big Falco guy, because, you know, in preparation for this episode, I found out a lot of things starting from the very beginning when Falco was still in the womb, which I don't know if you, <laughs> if you saw this fact, but when Falco was in the womb, he was supposed to be a triplet, but both of his siblings in the womb with him didn't make it. I believe that Falco claims he absorbed both of his triplets into himself. So he might be a triple guy. He might be a triple guy. <laughs> wow. You'd think there would at least be another syllable there, you know, let alone <laughs> more than one name. Yeah. But wow. Well, that's insert adjective of choice here, I guess. <laughs> yes. That's interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So that could be where Falco got all his ability, all his Austrian rapping, I mean, <laughs> maybe where it comes from. That was the first interesting thing I found out about Falco. I got to ask Matt Kelly, Matt, did you have a Falco CD? You definitely had a Falco CD. I didn't, actually. I didn't. But it's funny because when I reached out to Adam about doing the episode, he wanted to talk about Falco, but he actually wanted to talk about a different song by Falco. And I was like, this is perfect. Let's do this. (laughs) Because Falco had a song that was a hit everywhere but the United States. But it was a massive hit in the United States when it was covered by After the Fire. And it's that, don't turn around, oh, oh. (laughs) Forgive me if this is not the type of thing the show is interested in, but I gather there are not too many venues where I can talk about my misconceptions about Falco-related songs. So (laughs) I did not know that Der Commissar, the hit version here in the United States, was a cover of a Falco yeah. song. I thought that they were both Falco, but that it was just <laughs> an English version. And then even weirder, like I remember the two videos for it, the one with Falco, which I think is just him dancing and maybe wearing sunglasses and not having hair. And then the English language one, it was one of those like story videos, which I think until <laughs> I was like 20, I didn't know that the story videos didn't actually legally require the band to be the people in that story. So I remember there was a beard guy in there and remembering thinking like, ah, I guess Falco grew a beard at somewhere along the way in making this video. But I didn't know that that was, those were two different musical artists. Yeah. He never, he never recorded an English version. So another band translated the song into English and made it a huge hit in the States. I had no idea. So I am perfectly well qualified to be on this podcast talking about (laughs) Falco. We always learn a lot on here, Adam. We always learn a lot. And the the thing that I I couldn't believe when we're talking about Amadeus, I could have sworn that there was an English verse version of this. But there is not. It's in German. 
Correct? Really? Yeah. It's it's well it's a combination <laughs> yeah, right? of both. Yeah. So Falco started learning English because he felt like if he didn't have English words in the song, it would never be a hit in the US. But he wasn't fluent. So it's like you get like punk and superstar and rock me Amadeus, but the rest is German. <laughs> Right. So it's kind of like I when I was digging into Falco's catalog, it was very much along the lines of that, Adam, I'm, I'm sure you know about like the J-pop where the whole thing is in Japanese and then there'll be like two lines in the chorus that are in English and then back to Japanese. Uh-huh. I, it's, it seemed like that's most of Falco's stuff is... Falco was the 80s sigh. That's it's the A-pop. best way to describe it. <laughs> yes. It's A-pop, yeah, A- Austria pop. <laughs> A-pop is the perfect way to put it. And the crazy thing is Falco's... I guess he's a rapper, right? Would you guys consider him a rapper? I'm trying to think. So, like, in Der Commissar, there are some tuneful parts. Don't turn around. So, right. I guess he could be versatile in his talent. But I'm trying to think, like, in Rock Me Amadeus, there's some sung part. But I guess a lot. And I'm also thinking of the one other song that I know by him, that Vienna Calling song. Uh-huh. Which also, yeah. I think, has some tuneful parts. So yeah, he's got he knows how to write a hook. That's like undeniable. <laughs> like right. His choruses all are actually pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I love them. Yeah. True. And so you know, Matt, I love Matt. Sent me notes. <laughs> he sent me some notes on Amadeus, but you sent me the translation, which <laughs> I, I kind of wish that the song was in English based on the translation because these would be really funny verses, Adam. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know the actual what's going on in this song. <laughs> no, I as as I as I probably prefaced this part of the conversation like and showed you that I know very very right. little about that's lots of things. So I'm going to pitch something to you before you read these lyrics cuz <laughs> I have my interpretation of what this song is. Okay. And I actually think that having Adam from I mean the iconic Adam and his package. We haven't even mentioned sure, that, but sure. of of Adam and his package is actually really fitting because Falco saw himself as a punk rocker and he was doing very new wavy synth pop music. And this song is about how he thinks that Wolfgang Amadeus was the original punk rocker. Oh. Kind of was, right? Because he wore like pink wigs and like was like super obnoxious and thought farts were funny. And like, <laughs> I, I think probably most of my education about Amadeus Mozart comes from the movie Amadeus. So I don't know. Well, how... you have that in common with Falco. So. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. <laughs> and then me. Our, then our conclusions will be equally valid. Right. <laughs> when you translate it, which I'm sure, and you guys have to excuse my ignorance on this, but I guess in Austria, people. I'm sorry, speak I German. have no tolerance for that. No tolerance for ignorance. You have no tolerance for knowing what. Is Austrian its own language, or or did he just happen to write this in German, even though he's from Austria? I don't I know. I think German is spoken in Austria. Okay. I don't think gotcha. Austria is its yeah. own language. Okay. All right. I should know that by now, but I, yeah. I don't. Um, <laughs> in these verses that are in German, basically we find out... <laughs> I, I, I guess there's a little bit lost in translation, but basically first verse is, Rock me all the time to the top. He was a punk, and he lived in the big city. It was Vienna. It was Vienna where he did everything. He was in debt because he drank, but all women loved him. And each one called, come on and rock me, Amadeus. He was a superstar. He was popular. He was so exuberant because he had flair. He was a virtuoso, was a rock idol, 
and everything called Come and Rock Me Amadeus. <laughs> that that's Wait, so everything called? Yeah. It said rock well, me. So mean so it started like all the women were like, Rock me Amadeus, you're great. But then mm-hmm. it started like inanimate objects yes. and all nouns <laughs> and all things yes. somehow yes. reached out. Oh. Yes. It became very beauty and the beast. The teapot was called everything. <laughs> oh, everything. Excellent. Was called, <laughs> wanted to be rocked by Amadeus. As the story continues, it was around 1780, and it was in Vienna, if you needed a reminder. No plastic money anymore. The banks against him. Where the debt came from was probably known to everyone. He was a man of women. Women loved his punk, which I'm sure you and I can relate to there, Adam. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Women, Women love our punk. He was a superstar. He was so popular. He was too exalted. That was exactly his flair. Was a virtuoso. Was a rock idol. And everything is still calling today. Come on and rock me, Amadeus. So that's it. That's the story right there. That is the translated version. So I know your mind is a little bit blown. I could tell, Adam. <laughs> well, I was just thinking that that could sort of be transformed into a song about, I guess, anything that. Oh, no, no, no. Because it does specify the time. So right. it can't just be like anyone who is from Vienna. Change the time. And it's about Falco. He was he, he did everything in Vienna he had a drinking problem like it it all he's he lived the Amadeus life in 1986. That is a good point. Is that why he wrote this? Is that what's going on here, Matt? I have no clue. From what I found in my research, it was just that he watched the movie Amadeus. It was like, that guy's pretty cool. I'm going to write a song about him. Maybe it was uh, what, what do you call that? Self-fulfilling prophecy or something. Maybe he watched the movie and is like, all right, here we go. I have <laughs> I a question, know. though. Do you, what, do you understand what is the plastic money line Mm, about that's a good question because this was amadeus is definitely pre credit card so plastic (laughs) money in the translation here what does plastic have like another meaning other than what we think of plastic like is it does it mean like counterfeit or does it mean like money that you borrowed maybe is, is what maybe I would take from that. The banks against him. Where the debt came from was probably known to everyone. Does, are, are, they, are we assuming that, does this mean drugs? Does this mean prostitutes? Because the next line was, he was a man of women. Or was he spending all his money buying lavish gifts for women? Is that what that this means? I don't know. I don't remember the movie. I haven't watched it in a while. All right, let me see. Rap Genius has the, oh. the plastic money line highlighted. Nice. Wow, this song's on Rap Genius, so this does count as a rap song. Well, so, so now I need to copy, because the genius description is also in German, so now I need to translate oh, wow. their description. This is great. This reminds me of the many, many, many Zoom meetings or Google Hangouts where you put on the like real-time closed captioning, and... If you you can kind of play whisper down the lane with yourself, because if you say what it thought you said, when you read the closed captions and you read that, it then interprets that as something slightly different <laughs> than you actually said. And then if you say that thing again and you really uh, end up getting a lot of nonsense, it's uh, this very so- entertaining. This sounds like fun. This sounds like fun. This it sounds is. like the equivalent of back in the early days of instant messenger. Did you guys, did you guys use instant messenger a lot? Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have smarter child 
on your instant messenger. Oh, absolutely. You would just talk no. to a bot for hours. Yeah, it's just a bot oh, you really? could talk to. Yeah, that, that would <laughs> oh. like really respond to you. Yeah, you could have a lot of fun with that bot. Oh, that's uh, nice. So I got the translation. Okay. And according to the German rap genius, it says around 1780 was Mozart's worst time. He was steadily going downhill and was no longer making money. No more plastic money means plastic money as in a metaphor for modern day credit card and debit cards. Okay. So, right. so he's he's using modern language to describe how dire things were for for Amadeus. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. The seventeen eighties version of a credit card, which I guess basically was probably going to some bank and borrowing some amount of money and saying, "Yo, I'm Mozart, I'll pay it yeah. back." <laughs> but then that accrued and accrued, and uh, the bank I, was like, "You haven't paid us back yet. We're not giving you any more of this plastic money." I I could be wrong about this, but was Mozart one of those? No, no. Mozart saw his success in his lifetime. He died at what thirty five or something. But I do think yeah. that he was he got to see his success. He's a, he wasn't one of those guys who like wasn't popular until after his death, right? I believe. Yeah, that. no. He was definitely if if I'm remembering the movie correctly, anyway. He was actually so popular that it pissed off a lot of the other people because he was so like childish and obnoxious in real life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when I'm not going to use any particular artist's name, but like when you're like a serious musician who's been really like hitting the grind and you've been putting in like 20 years of hard work and then like a bunch of 16 year old kids who look good, but like can barely play their instruments have like the number one song in America. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like I put <laughs> so much time into this. I thought like, you were going to go more along the lines of, you know, talent and whatever coolness don't always yeah. go hand in hand. Someone could be born with like the most crazy musical ability, but be such an idiot. You know, I thought yeah. you had some sort of explanation. No, I guess because yeah. he was talented. So I guess like I could imagine that like maybe some of the dudes who've been doing punk music from like the late 80s into the 90s probably weren't as charmed by like Mark, Tom and Travis's like <laughs> fart humor being all over the radio <laughs> yeah, as much maybe. as like them trying to write some like serious political tunes and not getting like any attention. I think <laughs> sure. that's probably the analogy. Okay. <laughs> like, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, this Falco song was well, Falco's the only artist who had a song hit number one in the, in the United States that the principal language of the song was German. Is that true? Oh. Wait, what about, oh, I guess maybe that 99 Red Balloons that must have been, was it the English English version of that? Oh, oh, number (laughs) two. And there was an English version, correct? Yeah. Yeah, there was also 99 Red Balloons was on the radio, but they were the only other one that had a top 10, I think. Is it off limits to pose some questions, more questions about Der Commissar? Or in English, I believe it is The Commissar. (laughs) Is there any other example where there's been such a short period of time? And maybe I have my time totally wrong as to when the Falco version was released and was popular. But in my brain, they all... It seemed to be pretty close because I do remember seeing the Falco version of Der Commissar video on MTV. Is there a shorter period of time between when one version of a song, I don't know, reached some level of popularity and then a remake of it reached popularity? Because we're looking at the Falco version came out in December of 1981. And the After the Fire version came out in 1982. I don't have a specific month wow. and day, but 
it is at least at at the most it is a 12 month turnaround and plus And plus for such a similar rendition of it, like almost a carbon copy. Now, you know, I was thinking like Sinead O'Connor did uh, Nothing Compares to You. That was like five years later after like Prince and the Family version or or whatever. But it was almost unrecognizably different, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and plus five years and plus the original wasn't a popular song. I'm trying to think of like in recent years, who is that's that is weird. It's almost like was... Falco involved with the After the Fire? Was he like, you guys should do this and do it in English and I'll collect some royalties? I don't know what the deal is there. It seems like there would have to be some coordination for the turnaround to be that quick. Yeah. Yeah, Because the only thing that I could think of, but the original version wasn't popular, would have been like, I'm pretty sure SR-71 put out 1985 and then a couple like a couple months later, Bowling for Soup did the cover of it. That was like a big That was years and years later, wasn't it? I don't think so. Really? Oh, okay. But 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 check. the SR seventy one version wasn't popular. Once again, like we're talking, yeah. the Falco one was internationally popular, just not as popular in the United States. It wasn't like a top Billboard hit here. But everywhere else, I guess it was. That that's why. Well, <laughs> pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. So, you know. so I just checked real quick. Uh, so SR71's version of 1985 came out on May 21st, 2004. And the Bowling for Soup version came out on July 26, 2004. So that was oh. a all right. I'm wrong. That was a three month turnaround okay. time. <laughs> but they were on tour together, and I think like Bowling for Soup was like, "Yo, that song rips. Can we cover it?" Oh. And Mitch was just like, "Yeah, go for it. Who cares?" <laughs> like, well, well, here I'm. I just opened up. I want to know a little bit more about After the Fire. Yeah, they might be a future one. They're a one hit group as well. <laughs> they're a one hit wonder too, and their only one hit is this. This is like Dexy's Midnight Runners, who their uh, their yeah. only hit was 
Come on, Eileen, but that was a cover, right? It was? No, no, no. Save Ferris covered Come on, Eileen, and it was their only hit. My bad, my bad. That's what I meant. (laughs) Yeah, Save Ferris's only hit was covering Come on, Eileen. Yeah, so After the Fire is the Save Ferris of the 80s, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, After the Fire was a British band. They were a progressive rock slash new wave band over their 10-year career, and their only hit was their cover that they did. I'm trying to figure out how they did it so immediately. I am um, hoping this does not mess up my computer's speed in being able to translate all of my important things that I'm saying, but I'm trying to look for after the fire to see if the beardy guy that I have in my brain Uh, is actually in the band images after the fire. Uh, Maybe, maybe the beardy guy with the, yeah, I I don't think so. Oh, I see a guy with a beard. I, yeah, I definitely that, see a guy with a beard. <laughs> and the hat on? Yeah, I don't think... Falco wouldn't wear a hat. Falco had that slicked back Austrian 80s hair. I don't think he'd wear a hat. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that Falco never wore a hat is probably a bold move on my part. Yeah, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of information on how that whole relationship happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to think that they wrote it, but completely in parallel. And then somehow <laughs> it was revealed to them that this other version existed, but they had really come to it in their own path. That would be amazing if both of these artists reached out and grabbed Rock mm-hmm. Me Amadeus from the ether. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> this song was floating. Or You know, ever hear like real pretentious artists say that, like, the song just existed. I just channeled yeah, it. I was you know, say, uh, maybe it's like the it's like the Paul McCartney yesterday story, right? That like when he wrote that song, he had to play it for like fifty different people to make sure he hadn't stolen it from somebody hmm. because he like couldn't believe he had written that song. But it's that. <laughs> but also, Brian Wilson is doing the exact same thing with his song yesterday that he also wrote. <laughs> exactly. I'm kind of impressed for this song that 90% of it is sung in German, that it became a number one hit. March 29th, 1986, this song peaked at number one. Rock Me Amadeus was the number one song. And guys, listen to the songs that this is above at this time. I just did a different podcast, was just talking about this one song. Number four at the time, I can believe that it was above this, I guess. But think about it. This is America. And the song that is sung in German is above. Number four is R-O-C-K in the USA by John Cougar Mellencamp, (laughs) which number five is Kiss by Prince. Number six is What You Need by In Excess. Number nine, Let's Go All the Way by Sly Fox. But I don't know. Mellencamp, Prince, In Excess. Falco is above all of these songs with a song that's not even sung in English. And the only thing I can really picture is put ourselves back in 1986 and it is i don't know i guess i'm just picturing like a lot of new wave clubs <laughs> really bumping this people doing drugs i've never heard of and this rock me Amadeus song is just getting people fired up that's all i can figure out about this and chris it goes one step further because this is like one of those rare situations that because the song was successful in so many other countries, Rock Me Amadeus was the best-selling worldwide single of 1986. Wow. Wow. Now, now the comparison to those other songs, are they cuz I mean, did those songs not reach number 1 because maybe they, they had been there and had just right. been there for long enough that it's like we're yes. reaching for that new sound of Falco to to right. freshen up the chart. <laughs> right. Oh, you see that I'm just talking about March 29th, 1986. Yeah. 
period. Yeah, just uh-huh. for that moment. Like, I'm sure Kiss by Prince was number one right. at some point uh-huh. and, and whatever. But at that moment, Falco was like, hell yeah, I'm above Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm above Prince. That's right. Apparently, this song was so gigantic. And once again, you know, Adam, a lot of songs we end up talking about on this podcast because they're one-hit wonders. And believe me, I'd love to have one hit. I always got to preface it by <laughs> saying that. I mean, we'd all love to have one hit. That would be great. But a lot of the songs end up feeling very novelty music. Like Matt brought up Psy. That's a perfect example. Or the uh, Macarena. Or the, you know, a lot of these songs feel very, I don't know, <laughs> almost borderline not real song, if that makes any sense. And I kind of felt like this Falco Rock Me Amadeus song was pretty novelty, but <laughs> reading this stuff, I guess it's real deal. Plus the fact that he was, you know, wasn't just the United States. This is a worldwide hit. And, you know, he was pretty famous. And worldwide. this is definitely one of those episodes where our European listeners are going to be like, what are you talking about that Falco was a one hit wonder? Because he had multiple hits in other countries. It's just us in the States. We're not, we're not enjoying Falco outside of rock me Amadeus. And we'd maybe give Vienna calling a shot, but like that was about it for us. Was there, and I could be remembering this incorrectly. So you, you, Chris, when you were talking about the lyrics, that was just the Mm -hmm. German portion that you were giving us. Is that right? Like, I can't remember if in this song, is there a listing of like 1742? Wolfgang Mozart is born. Oh, there was that. Okay, so I do remember that correctly. There's like 20 different remixes of this song. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like he just kept repackaging and re-releasing it. Like, there's like an extended version that has a big key change in the middle of the chorus. There's like another one that has like a violin solo. Like, there's all types of crazy versions of Rock Me Amadeus because... You have to imagine it was a hit song, and this is like the peak of like club life. So it's like, hey, if they're into it, you can get that song to play for 15 minutes, and people will like still be jamming out to it. So it's just like keep putting out the extended club mixes and whatnot. Right, right, and and the song musically lent itself to be remixed by anyone, however many times. As a guy who grew up as a kid really liking Nine Inch Nails. I know how Trent Reznor loved to do that. Like there would be 50 different remixes of Nine Inch Nails songs and industrial music really lent itself to that. You know, you would have this one strong beat that would go throughout the whole song. So yeah, it was, I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy to remix it, but maybe a little bit easier to remix than, you know, a typical rock song or something like that. So, and Adam, yeah, in the second verse of this song, Es war um 1780, however you say that in German, <laughs> that they do say it was around 1780 and it was in Vienna. No plastic money anymore. So that is an actual lyric. But isn't there also sort of like, I just feel like I remember that there was like during some part and when you were talking about like it not being sort of like your conventional song, I was thinking of it. I was like, yeah, I wonder how many songs there are that just kind of have that listing part of it. Where they say, like, you know, these are the dates and here's what happened on those dates. But I may be totally making that up in my brain. No, you're you're not. So I I just pulled this up on the wiki page because I remembered vaguely reading this. For the U.S. release, the song was remixed to have an English background overlay stating random facts. And then it has the list of facts. 1756, January 27th, Wolfgang Amadeus is born. 1761, at the age of five, Amadeus begins composing. 1773, he writes his first concerto. Uh, 1782, 
Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart marries Conscience Weber. 1784, he becomes a Freemason. <laughs> that's that's one of the <laughs> emphasized facts. Okay. <laughs> 1791, he composes the magic flute. And this is my favorite one. 1985, Austrian rock singer Falco records Rocky Amadeus. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very boring couple centuries between them. It seems like if Falco was modeling his life slash music career, being inspired by Amadeus, then kind of in that Chris Farley modeling his life after Belushi sort of way, it seems like Falco kind of did that now i'm not saying that falco's mozart you know no but, but self-destructive for sure yeah the self-destructive part and falco which i i noticed you know i did call this a borderline rap song apparently he was the first western european person to perform rap music you know or something resembling rap music because it hadn't made its way there yet and, you know, unless, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit, but it seems like they're crediting Falco for that a little bit. <laughs> Sadly, just as the reasons for Mozart's death, they're, they're speculated upon. I don't think anyone completely knows, but Fal- Falco, he did get bad into drinking and drugs and things, but he actually, Falco died a few days before his 41st birthday in a accident, in a car mm, accident. Yeah. Yeah. He was, but, I believe he may, I think I read on one source that he was drunk driving, but yeah, he got hit by a bus and that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, don't so, drink and drive, guys, yeah, listeners. Yes. Important, important message from One Hit Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> they, I'm sure people need that message from us. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they come here for. <laughs> That's what they come here for. Yeah. Right, we're, ch- we're changing <laughs> lives. When it comes down to it, you know, Falco ca- kind of followed in the footsteps of Mozart and Musically speaking, I think that's a great person to follow in the footsteps of, but lifestyle, maybe not. I learned a lot about Falco today. Me too. <laughs> I, I I hope that you did too, Adam. But we gotta, yeah. we we really gotta decide now. Did Falco bring the one hit thunder, or do you guys consider this a one hit blunder? Is the real question here. So, Matt, Matt, what 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 are your thoughts on Falco? We'll start with you. I think I'm going to give him the thunder on this. Like beyond the fact that I think the song is fantastic. While it wasn't a hit in the States, the cover of one of his other songs is great. And then Adam brought up Vienna Calling, which also has a really good hook. Um, I do want to bring up one more weird Falco fact that I learned, which is how he kind of ruined his own career with a really poorly chosen single uh, with the song Jenny, which is a song written from the perspective of a rapist and murderer. Turns out, even in Austria, they weren't really interested in that being a single on the radio, and his career kind of started to peter out. That was also at the peak of the drugs and alcohol phase of Falco's songwriting, but... Yeah, yeah. kind of crossed the line on that song. And I will say, <laughs> from a musical perspective, I don't know if you know that song, Adam, but I, it was... No. Part of my playlist today, and I listen to it, and it's terrible. It's not it's a, a bad good song. So- it is not a good song. It is like talking over music, but the talking sounds like it's not even recorded at the same. Did you notice that, Matt? Like the production of that song yeah. is terrible. Like it's not a good it's, song. The only way they describe it is it's almost written to sound. <sighs> Imagine if Stan by Eminem didn't follow the beat whatsoever and it was just someone reading a letter over top of 
<laughs> over top of Dido. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That's, that's the vibe of that song. Yeah. Huh. It, it's it. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely not a good song. But you're still giving him a thunder anyway. I'm giving him a thunder because that was a blunder in his career. But he had three thunders. So like mathematically, I'm I'm going to give him. The three out of four there, because I do think that Vienna thunder. Calling is a good one, too. <laughs> you're, give, you're giving him a, a, a technical thunder. Okay, I, I respect yeah. that. Adam, what do you think? is still passing. Thunder or blunder? <laughs> like, There's a lot of one-hit wonders out there. Is this on the thunder side of it, or is this on the blunder side of it, is the question. Now, and just so I have the criteria right, Okay. like, are <laughs> when you say the grand scheme of it, do you mean the grand scheme that is... Falco within the grand scheme of thing, or this particular song within the umbrella of one hit wonders. We're we're talking Falco here, and yeah, we're talking Falco. I I always say that the factor that I put into it sometimes is one of two things. One side of it is like, do I think that this artist probably deserved to have a couple more hits than they act than just the one song? which I do think that Falco had enough good songs that he probably could have justified a few more hits under his belt to not be talked about by us on a podcast. The other factor is like, even if the rest of their stuff is god-awful, it is undeniable that this song is like, need it to exist. This song need it to be in the ether and on the radio and in our ears. I guess... <laughs> with the disclaimer being like that the the Jenny thing is just being brought to my attention and that as has been made clear, um, I don't know a ton about Falco, but so I think it's hard for me to weigh it and maybe I'm thinking of this way too hard. But um, so I would say it's easier for me to say the song is an interesting song and doesn't sound like other sort of hits, I think. So I'm I, I would sort of uh be inclined to say thunder although not having like if i which i will just because i'm curious go listen to jenny and look at the lyrics and i'm like oh this is monstrous and horrible then uh you know maybe <laughs> maybe falco would not get my huge endorsement that i'm sure that this uh really matters in the grand scheme of all things so i'll we'll say stop. it's a softball thunder it's a, it's a, <laughs> you know this is a tough one for me because i like rock me amadeus Dercom, how do you, how do you say Dercomasar? Dercomasar. I think so. Dercomasar. Yeah, yeah. Dercomasar. That one's okay. So, I I like those songs. Then I put it on the rest of his catalog today, and I'm like, eh. And then I start thinking about like all of the great like punk rock and new wave of the '80s that maybe wasn't getting played because Falco was hogging up the airwaves and then i see that at one point it was above kiss by prince and i can't agree with that whatsoever <laughs> and then i start leaning towards a blunder here but i don't know i guess i'm on the softball thunder thing too i, I rock me on days if it comes on that could get a party started probably i guess not really it, it got sampled <laughs> in a really fun bloodhound gang song so i mean yeah. that's something right no no not really <laughs> okay I guess it's a thunder. We got one strong thunder, two softball thunders. That puts it over the edge. But uh, but anyway, hey Adam. Yeah. It's really awesome. It's really awesome talking to you, man. Just before you go, I want to. Yeah. I told you before we started that that I'm a fan, and you have an extensive back catalog of music. I know that these days you're more interested in educating young minds, uh, which is <laughs> which is cool too. Trying, you know, trying. Yeah. Right. Right. And. <laughs> 
And sometimes the students find out that, oh, our teacher is an indie artist that made very avant-garde, catchy <laughs> mixture of punk rock and rap. And I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe Adam and his package, but I know that growing up, everybody, myself included, my friends, we all loved you, man. Oh, Su- that is such so, a, such so an inspiration. Nice, such an inspiration, such a cool, you know, you know that you you made music that made people that felt like outsiders not so much feel that way, if that makes sense. Uh, what that, I'm trying to say is nice here. No, <laughs> even no, if, no, no. Even, I, I, even if sounds, I'm saying it awkwardly, I'm saying no, it awkwardly, not, but you get it, it. You get it. Yeah, no, that is that is incredibly flattering and generous. And, you know, that is really nice feedback to get that uh i don't know maybe there's too much uh too much pain and too much discomfort so to get feedback that somehow i made was able to uh you know make that easier for anybody is super super nice yeah that's cool and i feel like you got at least in my circle you got a nice little resurgence last year when uh the washington football team finally became a thing (laughs) Yeah, something that you've oh, been yeah. calling out for like two decades. Dude, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was what. Uh, yes, that was that was uh, How- much needed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the Dude, resurgence. That's so crazy. The resurgence is fine, but the the <laughs> yes, it's about about yeah. time. But yes, that that was very, you know, in a uh, sea of not always such great news. That was a, a nice step, I think. I forgot about that. That's you were so ahead of the curve on <laughs> on, on calling that out. You know, like that's that's great. That's great. Well, yeah, I think finally. if you whine about enough stuff, of some of those things may get rectified, but not <laughs> yeah. causal. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Adam. We appreciate yeah. it, man. No, that was, that was really really fun. So thank you so much. Cool. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Lafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Runiverse off the Punchline remix album, Politefully Dead. Visit punchlion.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. You are my universe. You are my universe. And I'm just a I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. 
What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it, and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at weknowpodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.